2022 SBC Pastors Conference in Anaheim, California, 12 pastors led us through Colossians verse by verse with the theme, We Proclaim Him. We also heard six homilies that dealt with topics such as problems pastors face, spiritual issues, mission involvement, evangelism, doctrinal fidelity, and practical church issues all of which were topics envisioned by the late M.E. Dodd, who founded the SBC Pastors Conference in 1935. Tune in and be encouraged as you make your way through Colossians and other practical messages from the 2022 Pastors Conference made possible in part by Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. everybody's doing well. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you this morning to open up God's Word, uh, to actually turn now to chapter 2, the book of Colossians. My beautiful wife is here with me, my beautiful daughters. We are grateful for this opportunity. How many of you guys in the room and ladies, you need encouragement? Amen. I guess we like two, three people talking. Amen. How many people in the room really need encouragement? This, hopefully, this next 30 minutes, bear with the bald head preaching. I'm going to encourage you with God's word through the apostle Paul. In light of the times we're living in, a lot of the things that have been already pontificated on, the previous preachers and teachers, there's a subtle theme that there are haters on the outside. Must we be careful because haters what haters do on a normal basis, they drink, they wake, when they wake up in the morning, they drink haterade. They hate on a regular basis. The culture is, is talking. We have to be careful as a convention and as more than that, even as brothers and sisters in Christ, that we don't allow what's on the outside to begin to permeate and infiltrate the body of Christ. I was going on a fruit diet and uh, I told my wife, I said, man, look, I got I to gotta lose some weight. So I went on this fruit diet, and, um, and I was eating fruit. It was great. I mean, I mean, it was smashing fruit. Anybody been with me before? Smashing fruit, and it was great. And, and what I realized is that over about a week or two, I still was gaining weight. I couldn't understand why. I didn't understand the intricacies of this. If I ate fruit, and I figured that, man, I would be shedding some good weight. What I realized is this, that I was eating apple pie, <laughs> banana pudding, cherry cheesecake, lemon meringue, what? Pie. You, you see, why did I share that? I share that why? Because the nutritional value of the fruit had been compromised once things were added on to it. The fruit was doing just fine all by itself. And this is the context that we find ourselves in in chapter 2 in Colossians, in the first seven verses. If you have your Bibles, turn with me real quick. Paul is letting them know, hey, look, church, don't allow anything else. Don't apply anything else. Don't add anything else to the gospel. Paul picks up and says this, Chapter 2, verse 1, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. 
and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have seen me face, have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of the fullness assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this, here's the conditional clause or, or the, the purpose clause. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in a body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Paul out of the gate wants us to see a couple things. One, Paul's love for the church. Paul had a deep love for the church, and this is not new to Paul, and we know this. It was already quoted by one of the other preachers. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty eight says, In light of everything that I have been through, I still had the burden of the church and the growth of the church on my heart. So out of the gate, we see something. We see that he had a burden and a struggle for the bride of Christ. But he uses a term that's interesting, for I want you to know, and that word means no, it means without a shadow of a doubt. But he says, I want you to know without a shadow of a doubt how great a struggle I have for you. And not just any type of struggle. Stay with me, saints. But this struggle is one, that the Greek term is agonize. I want you to know the agony that I have. I mean, in my bones, I'm not with you face to face, but I'm chained to a guard and I'm in this dank cell. And I long for you to know that, man, I love you. And, and guess what? You're not by yourself. I agonize. And church, might I say this? In the culture today within Christianity, we need to turn up the dial of agonizing and not antagonizing. Paul says, I agonize, and embedded in this agony is this. You ready? It's care, concern, and compassion. It's amazing those quick three terms. Care has turned into criticizing. Concern has turned into categorizing. And compassion, what we ought to have, has turned into canceling people. Paul says, no, 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 no. May this not be the case. They're a hater on the outside. They, they want you to start believing some other things and they want you to add to the gospel. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Church, hear me say this. You don't have to add anything to it. Don't mess with Jesus. Don't add to the gospel. Don't try to contribute to it. The gospel can stand all by itself. And Paul is saying, young church in Colossae, don't you mess with it. Well, secondly, we see this, Paul's encouragement to the church. He had a deep passion, agonize. I want to see them mature. I, I mean, this is, I agonize to my bones. Lord, will you please allow them to grow in their faith? Will you please allow them to really understand the truth of what you have done for them? Not theology, to have bigger heads and a smaller heart. Paul is saying, the Lord didn't give you and I theology. Hear me say this. He didn't give you and I theology to be smarter sinners. 
but he's given us theology so that what we understand and know true about Jesus and what he's done for you and I, that it will begin to download 18 inches, not just to our heart, yes, to our heart, but actually to our, to our feet. So Paul says, I want to encourage the church now. It's interesting because many people don't understand what was really going on. There were false teachers. They were pushing an agenda, ideologies, philosophies, and different religious practices. You know as well as I know how you think is going to be how you function. I'm going to say it again. How you think and what you ponder and allow to get inside your members will be a direct reflection in your life on how you live. And so Paul in his cell, he's saying, yuck, look, look homeboys and homegirls, I want to make sure that you don't give up on the gospel. Why? Because the gospel never gives up on you. I want to make sure that you hold on to Jesus, not because you're holding on tight, but really the gospel is holding on to you. Don't you give up on him. Why? Because even though the haters on the outside, they're going to always have something to say. Everybody's going to have something to say, but he says, I want you to make sure that you hold true to the gospel. Was it Gnosticism? Was it mystical polytheism? Was it observance of the law, of the Torah? In essence, we've already heard this. The haters on the outside wanted them to add something to Jesus. In other words, Jesus is not enough. I'm here to tell you this morning that he's all we need. Let's return back to him, and Paul says, Here's my agonizing. I want you to know, here's my prayer. Again, it's as if you and I can look over his shoulder as he's pinning this information. He gets the word from Epaphras. He hadn't seen them in person. So we go, man, I haven't even seen you. It seems as if distance would, would cause indifference. It seems as if this would be the case, but Paul said, no, why? Because we've been washed in the blood of Jesus. We all have a commonality. You and I, we've all been, we come to the cross the same way, broken and towed up from the flow of. Now, no one graduates from the gospel. No one is better than the teacher, Jesus Christ. And he says, here's what I long to see in your hearts, even with the pressure of ideologies and philosophies on the outside. He says, I pray that their hearts may be encouraged. You know, encouragement goes a long way. Encouragement goes a long way. I mean, that word encourage also means strengthen. Do you know that the church of Jesus Christ is on the offensive? Maybe for some of us, you understand that and believe that, but I'm here to let you know something. That the church, Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So that means we don't serve some puny God. We serve the risen king and boss, and his name is Jesus. And by the way, he said we ought to be on the offensive. I know the haters are saying stuff on the outside. I know they're trying to get you all divided. I know that they're trying to get you to function in a different way. But I want you to know something. Hold on to Jesus. Stay consistent with the gospel. Let the gospel saturate your mind, your heart, and your soul. Why? Because when you do so, you will be strengthened. You'll be strengthened. That's the term encouragement. There's been seasons in my life where my faith has been shaken and I've needed straight encouragement. 
But it's in these seasons when you go through things and you have people that you know that love you, they have your best interests in mind. And let me just say this, just because we're Christians and we rep the cross doesn't mean that everybody have your best interests in mind. They will call and send texts and encourage us and Marcus, stay in, Mandy, stay in the game. There are times and seasons in the walk, when you walk with Jesus Christ. One of my professors said this at Moody, he said, hey look, if you hadn't been through anything, just keep living. You, you keep living, why? Because what's gonna happen, you'll begin to see that once you really rep Jesus Christ, and what we notice in this text is that there are a lot of different ideologies. Be careful that you and I do not try to come up with a different type of Jesus. Again, please hear me say this. Don't try to fashion your Jesus on preference. Don't fashion a Jesus in your own mind based on politics. Don't fashion your, your idea and your, your understanding of Jesus based on power. But, but fashion your, your ideal and, and your theology and your Christology on how Jesus and who Jesus is and how he's presented himself in the scriptures. Here it is. He said, I want you to be strengthened. You ain't messing up with, you ain't messing with no, no rinky-dink God, no duct tape God. You're, you, you, you're, you've been held by the truth of the gospel. And then he says, I want you to be knit together, your hearts. Don't we need to be together as a culture? Don't we need to be together as a church? Don't we need to be together as a bride of Christ? Can I get an amen in the room? And I'm going to tell you why that's important. We need to be together. Notice what's keeping the hearts together. Paul lets us know. He says, I'm praying that their hearts will be knit together in love. Not knit together in what, what this group says or this group may say, but knit together in the beauty of agapao love. And really it reads, having been, having been knitted. In other words, Jesus has already done the work. This is known as the punctiliar tense. In other words, there's a past event that took place, Jesus dying on the cross. And that past event should have present results. If you genuinely have received Christ as your Savior, that means this, that the past work of Jesus back on Golgotha's Hill wasn't just some historic event. In other words, Paul is saying, having been knit together, don't try to change things. Don't try to add things. Don't try to make it superficial and cotton candy-ish. Don't do that. The gospel, again, doesn't need anything. You let the gospel do what the gospel is powerful to do. And it's to hold you together. But it's in love. Now, this is why it's interesting. He says, why would you, Paul, why would you say this? Why would you encourage them to be knit together in agapao, sacrificial love, love that stands the test of time? Well, because we understand this is that when people in the, if you start believing this group and or this ideology, you start believing this, when this group starts believing this, this group starts believing this, division takes place. Paul is on to something. He's saying maybe, just maybe, Epaphras had a great report. They've been firm in their faith. They've been walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. They've been standing on point. He's trying to encourage them saying, hey, look, don't, don't allow division to come in inside the church. Let me just say this. Whenever division is in the room, you better rest assured, the devil is right behind it. So a lot of us, we, we disagree on so many things. That's okay. As long as we keep the main thing the main thing. And Paul is saying this in Colossians. 
that Christology, Jesus is, he's the boss, he's the king, he's, a, he, he's all that and a bag of chips. He is before all things and he holds all things together. Guess what? We're all united in him. So therefore, be knitted together in that. Is there any encouragement in the body of Christ today? In light of everything we're going through, in light of everything that's pressing against us even for this convention, is there any encouragement? Pat Tillman, former football player, had a lucrative career and was playing for the Cardinals and he wound up leaving and going to serve in the war. While serving in a war, many of you know this story, he actually gave his life and died. Reports came out and said that, hey, he had been killed by enemy fire. But then later, more reports came out and said that he had actually been killed by his own people. Why'd you share that? Friendly fire. Brothers and sisters, don't kick brothers down or sisters down when they're already down. Let's lift people up in the gospel. This is why Paul is saying their hearts ought to be encouraged, strengthened in the gospel. Nothing else. Don't add anything to it but being knit together in agapao love. So in other words, seek to lift up other people. Don't talk about them. Seek to talk with them. It's amazing because some research was done on millennials and their view of the church. Now, this is not 100% the gospel, but there is a reality to this. Research was shown and said that the church is, this is what millennials would say, the church is not relevant. The church is not relevant. Given Bible information without Bible application. It's how they view it. They say, well, they have great theology, but very little duology. Allowing theology, again, to impact our lives. They give great biblical transparency without, li without life relevancy. Being disconnected from the culture, being disconnected and tone deaf towards real issues. They will say, secondly, the church is not real. People in the church are too fake and phony who pretend to be what they never intend to be. It's amazing. The church, thirdly, they say the church is too judgmental. Always focus on what you do wrong rather than what you do well. Francis Schaeffer said this, the final apologetic to the watching world is the unity of the church. Jesus would say this in John 17, I pray that there will be one just as you, Father, and I are one. The purpose clause, he could have prayed anything. The high priestly prayer, y'all know this. He could have prayed anything, that we would not get sick, that cancer would not reign. He could have prayed that there would be no COVID, that our kids will marry the right people, that you will marry the right person. And by the way, you can straight up marry wrong. But Jesus, God in flesh, he prays this. He said, I pray that there will be one, that you and I will be one. That the world may know that you sent me, Father, based on their oneness. There's truth to this in the text. It's amazing because he wanted them to settle. They want to be settled. Settled. Settled on what, Paul? What do you want them to be settled upon? He says that they may be knit together to reach all the riches of the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God in this mystery. What are these riches? I did a little cross-stick here in my notes. Riches could be this. What are the riches? Well, R stands for the righteous requirement of Jesus that he made for you and I. 
that we couldn't do it in and of ourselves. Didn't matter if we had 10 million years to try to pull it off or make ourselves right before a holy God. The R stands for, as we talk about riches, is the righteous requirement that Jesus, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, had to make propitiation for you and I so that you and I can now be presented to a holy God. R is that. Then I is our inheritance. Based on his work and his work alone, you and I now have an inheritance. C stands for this. We are now a child of God. You and I, you're a child of God if you're a believer in the room. What about the H? You're, you're an heir of God, but not only that, you're a co-heir or fellow heir with Christ. E stands for eternal life. And then S He's sanctifying you and I, and he promised to do it, Philippians 1.6. So, so here it is. He said, I want you to know the riches, the fullness of it. Why? Because from your understanding, as you, as you join together as a body of believers, not being divided, but coming together, encouraging each other, strengthening, strengthening each other in agapao love, not being isms and schisms and homogeneous stuff over here and this type of party over here, but come together under the banner of Christ. Why? Because that's how you're going to grow deeper in the gospel. Here it is. We know this. That the enemy, he's a low-down, dirty rascal, isn't he? He's a low-down, dirty rascal. Satan wants to point us back to our crime. God wants to point us to the cross. Satan likes to point out our mess. Anybody got any mess in the room? I guess we're all holy in this joint. Amen. I'm sorry. I guess I'm the only one that may be tore from the floor that realized that I need dependence upon the Lord. If y'all pray, I'll preach. You see, Satan likes to talk about our mess. God likes to talk about his mercy. Satan likes to point you and I. That's why he said, Paul said, no, be knit together in this thing. Hey, don't worry about the haters on the outside. Y'all got to stay together. Why? Because unity of the gospel is at stake. See, Satan likes to point out our mistakes, but God likes to point to the Messiah. What did he want to, I mean, he said, look, y'all got to be settled on this thing. The assurance and full assurance of understanding. And that assurance comes, the fullness comes from understanding the gospel, the knowledge of this great mystery. And at the heart of what Paul is writing here in these seven verses is this. You have to settle the sufficiency and the deity of Christ. This whole book is one of the most saturated and laced books, if you will, on solid Christology. I mean, you have to settle this. And as a convention, we need to settle this. I was watching Discovery Channel one day, and um, they were talking about a possum. And I said, man, that's a, that's a cool little deal, a possum. It's a cool little deal. And so as the narrator was going, he's talking about the possum, and the possum is not that smart of an animal, and that they don't like to dig their own dens. So they go in and they borrow other people's dens, other animals' dens. So as the possum is walking around, y'all see the possum ugly. Possums walk funny, they're hairy looking, they just look nasty. And so as he's walking, and he realizes he sees some footprints going in and and some and, and no footprints coming out. So then therefore he's saying, what went in is what? It's still in there. It's not bad for a dumb animal. Amen. And so I thought about this when it comes to being my savior. And here's what. 
Paul is trying to drive home this nail in his dank cell chained to a guard. He's saying, don't you give up. Don't you give in. Don't let the noise on the outside cause division on the inside. Encourage one another. What agapao love, the gospel can still work and the gospel still works. I'm like the possum. Why? Because Allah can be my God. Footprints going in, but no footprints coming out. Buddha can't be my God. Come on, y'all. Somebody praying for me now. Buddha can't be my God. Why? Because footprints going in, but no footprints coming out. Confusion. I mean, Confucius, he can't be my God. Why? Because footprints going in, but no footprints coming out. But I'm here to tell you, as the Apostle Paul is saying here in 2022, it's this, that I know a man had footprints going in, but there was also footprints coming out. Footprints coming out of the grave. Footprints going in, he died. But footprints coming out, he rose. Footprints going in, he was a suffering one. But footprints coming out, he's a sovereign one. Footprints going in, he received death. Footprints coming out, he rebuked death. Footprints going in, he was pierced. But footprints coming out, he was praised. Footprints going in, he suffered misery. But footprints coming out, straight up majesty. Footprints going in, Throne or thorns, footprints coming out, thrones, footprints going in, grief, but footprints coming out, straight up glory, footprints going in, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, but footprints coming in, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Paul is saying, don't you get it twisted, church. No, 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 don't add to it. Jesus is not trying to be one amongst many, he's trying to be the one and only. Let me just say this. With five minutes left. I don't even know why they gave me 30 minutes. Amen. <laughs> Jesus is not trying to come and take sides. Let me say that again. I mean, in many of our camps, we want, we, we think we, we got the right idea, the right angle. Jesus is not trying to come and take sides. He's coming to take over. And Paul is saying, don't you get twisted. Don't get it twisted. Ah, footprints are coming out of that grave. But then lastly, I'm going to take the last five minutes to talk about Paul's challenge to the church. I want them to be knit together. Don't be, don't be um, uh, deluded with these arguments on the outside. They lead to discouragement, disunity, and delusion, and even dismay. He said, rise to the occasion. Why? Because the tomb is empty. But then lastly, Paul's challenge to the church, verse 6 and 7, says this. Therefore, now many of you know this. If you see therefore, you got to discover what is therefore, because it's therefore for a reason. Therefore, draw arrows to the previous context. And really, in essence, chapter one, all the way to chapter two, verse five, everything that I've said previously, church, I want you to hear this. Therefore, let that rest in your soul. Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus, the Lord. All this good theology, you've been bought with a price. He says, Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, by the way, by Epaphras, abounding in thanksgiving. So a couple of minutes, let me unpack this. Paul is saying, based on your understanding of the gospel, apply biblical principles. Therefore, in other words, remember your Genesis experience. In hard seasons and when you hear a lot of noise from the culture, 
It's always humbling and good for you and I to go back just to our beginning and when we, gave, we first heard the gospel and when we gave our life to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, look, go back, go back. The previous statements, go back to the previous chapter. Everything I've already said, go back. Therefore, remember your Genesis experience. He says, therefore, as you received. Now, this word is very intriguing. It means paralambano. And that basically means it's a two-part word. The prefix para means to, to bring to one side. To get something, but yet bring it to your side. The suffix of this two-part word is lambano. That means to receive. So Paul uses a very strategic term. He says, uh, therefore, remember, based on all this theology and Christology that I've talked about, you need to power lambano. That means don't hold Jesus far out. I wish I had a football in the room, but don't hold him far out. As a culture, you know when we're holding Jesus far out, when we're talking more about people than actually loving people. I mean, you know we're holding Jesus out when, when there's always isms and, and schisms, but, but, gee, but here's what Paul is saying. I want you to para lambano, para lambano. I played a lot of football in my years, but I've never seen a receiver. I played defensive back. I've never seen a receiver run down a field like this. It's pretty intriguing, actually. You know, I'd be laughing. But here it is. I mean, you're taught from Pop Warner to catch it. Boom, bang, and yah. Boom, bang, and yah. Everybody say that. Boom, bang, and what? Why is that important? Paul is saying, don't allow the culture to cause you to fumble. Keep the word of God close. Keep Jesus close. And by the way, Paul Lombano, you didn't receive anybody. It's the only time in Scripture that this actual order is used, Christ Jesus the Lord. You didn't receive a denomination. You didn't receive just any old type of program. You received Jesus Christ, the one who came out of the grave and who died for the sins of the world. Here it is. He says, so walk in them. It's the first real command in this whole epistle. The first one. So walk in them. That's our responsibility. Walk in them. Walking entails faith steps. Faith steps, direction, progress, remembering, and repentance. Repentance. He says the results will be this. You'll be rooted, built up, established, and abounding in thanksgiving. Now, I love a movie with a great plot twist. Anybody love movies? I love movies with a great plot, plot twist. Like, you know, like, I'm not going to say Lifetime movie. I don't be watching Lifetime movie. Come on, y'all. But, but, but you, man, you know, it's just a good movie. And you start the movie off, and it's like, man, well, I didn't, I didn't even know that this, the babysitter was going to be like this crazy, uh, just uh, deranged killer. I didn't see that coming. And so you're sitting there with your chips and what have you, and, and you're enjoying this. I mean, a, a straight twist. It was like a straight curveball. You didn't see it coming at all. But that's the whole twist of this whole thing. You know what? Why? Because... The active voice, what we ought to be doing, what you and I ought to be doing, stay with me. Paul says, here's our responsibility. Let's walk in him. Let's walk in him. You walk in him, what he's going to do, he's going to root you. He's going to build you up. He's going to establish you in the faith. And then the second part, our responsibility is this. We ought to just, we ought to be abounding in thanksgiving. Paul, you mean to tell me about walking him, that that's going to lead just to abounding in thanksgiving? Absolutely. That's what he's saying. So I'm going to ask, I just want real quick roll call. Won't he do it? There's a lot going on, but I'm here to tell you, I'm telling you, y'all, the gospel still works. 
Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? The same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power at work within you and I. Won't he do it? His sacrifice took you from doom to gloom, from darkness into his marvelous light, from children of wrath to children of God, redeemed and set apart for his glory. Won't he do it? He, he forgives you of your sin, and he makes you and I straight new, not patched up. He makes you and I brand new believers in him. He'll take you from your grace, from grace to gloom. He'll fill, your, uh, fill you when you're empty. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll give you hope and despair, peace and chaos. This is when the organ come in right here, y'all. Peace and chaos. Are we living in chaotic moments now? With this straight-up empty tomb and footprints coming out of the grave, won't he do it? We walk abound in thanksgiving. Lord, thank you. Why? Because he leads you in your lostness. He'll give you mercy for your misery. He'll give you joy for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Won't he do it? He'll pick you up when you're down. He'll also give you sight in your blindness. He'll give you purpose in your plotlessness. Won't he do it? Paul says, stay together. Let the main thing be the main thing. And watch God do some amazing things. You know what? He's not done with the church yet. I'm confident that he's coming back riding on a horse, tatted up on his thigh, king of kings and lord of lords. Church, hear me say this. The tomb is empty. There's footprints coming out of the grave. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for this time that we had to study your word and look at the text, chapter 2, 1 through 7. Will you encourage our hearts going forward? Spirit, may we be bonded by agapao love, your sacrifice, not what we do, not systems, but genuinely getting back to the heart of the gospel. Holy Spirit, will you do a great work, not just for the rest of this day, but for the rest of this convention, until you return. Let us be used for gospel proclamation, not self-proclamation. We pray this in the matchless, powerful name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen.